Hello and welcome to episode 910 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, March 30th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr. I'm joined this morning by Justin Mason. Justin, two days from opening day, baby. Oh my god, I am so excited. I just am me, so excited. Me too, dude. Like, I, I seriously cannot wait. You know, obviously, everything that happened last year, and then we got the shortened season, which was better than nothing, but, uh, you know, something that's going to bring back a level uh, of normalcy, right? We're not, uh, we're, we're never going to snap and just be back to normal. There may never be going back to what we had, you know, before everything, but this getting a regular season, getting back into the day-to-day grind of baseball for an entire six months uh, will go a long way toward uh, making things feel uh, better. So I I can't wait. I'm very excited. You still have a main left on Wednesday, yeah? Yeah, Wednesday night, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific, so 10 p.m. Eastern. If you're up late and want to watch, I will be live streaming it, so it should be a lot of fun. Uh, I am a late late type of guy, so I will be, uh, I'll be creeping in there probably while streaming myself uh i'm excited to see who you get there um definitely some news and notes to cover a lot of late stuff coming out you did a little investigative journalism to find something that nobody's reporting on and i don't understand it because i would not want this guy in my drafts if i had any left but we got the news for you so let's just dive in then later we're going to talk about some league leaders we're predicting our our guys uh to lead the league in the five Offensive categories, home runs, stolen bases, runs, ribbies, batting average. We got a favorite and then a bold prediction for each category. So let's just dive into the news starting now. George Springer has that oblique issue looking like a grade two, and he's likely to start the season on the IL. A couple things. One, how concerned are you about this in general? Obliques can linger. They, They kind of inherently scare me. And then two, is this good news for Kevin Biggio, Marcus Simeon? Somebody else, everybody else. How do you view the the lineup? What do you think they're going to do with Springer out? Start with the uh, the oblique and its uh, its likelihood to uh, to cause issues for you at the draft table since you still have one. Are you passing on Springer because of this? Yeah, I'm likely passing on Springer. I mean, unless he drops like a huge amount. But I mean, if you're if you're in like a league like NFBC with no IL, you gotta. You have you can only take so many stashes, right? So taking Springer in what like the seventh or eighth round, um, even though that's a really nice discount, means you can't take a shot on Jared Kalenic, right? You can't take a shot yeah. on Alex Kirilov, you know. Um, so yeah, it'll, it's unlikely he ends up on my team unless the discount is so is so huge at the point of uh, that I'm drafting that I go okay, I'll take the shot because I mean the re- original report was like he could still be ready for opening day. So I'm not expecting Correct. him to miss a lot of time necessarily. Yeah, it was it was looking good and has since gotten a bit worse for Springer. Though it there hasn't been doom and gloom sort of news of like, oh, he's going to be out for a long. You know, it's, it's still even that phrased as unlikely to be ready for opening day. Now, as far as the lineup goes, again, Kevin Biggio beginning of draft season was going really, really high because we were saying an OBP guy batting atop that lineup, even with his batting average being a bit challenged because of his, uh, because of his strikeouts, I'll take it all day. You know, people were drafting him left and right as draft season has worn on and they had their additions, including Springer and Simeon Biggio now looking like he's on the bottom third of the lineup. Does this move him back up or does it favor newcomer Simeon? 
I think it moves Semyon up to leadoff for the time being. So Correct. that's obviously good. Uh, and let's see, the Blue Jays open with... The Yankees. The Yankees. So we're talking about uh, Cole. Cole, and then is it Montgomery next or Kluber? I don't. I mean, I, Kluber was. Oh no! So well, Cole, Tyon, Kluber, Herman as the first got, four. So that's all righties. So I think it would benefit Bijou. You would assume they'd want to get him up the lineup. I think it also benefits uh, Rowdy Telez. You know. Correct. Well, yeah, as far as getting that playing time, I would mm-hmm. definitely agree with that. And that's somebody I'm heavily invested in. And I really like him. I think he's still going to play a lot. But obviously, you want to see some righties in there to really solidify Telez playing. I think Semyon is the big winner because he is going to go to the top of the order. If spring training is any indication, since Springer's gone out, it's either been Semyon or a fill-in when Semyon isn't playing, like a Santiago Espinal Jonathan Davis, and that's why I say fill-in, because those guys aren't going to be in the regular yeah, lineup. But, I mean, so, Simeon's going to be moving from two to one, right? So it's like it's it definitely is a benefit leading off, right? But it's not like it's not as big of a move as it would be for, like, Biggio going from seven to two. Yeah, he's been batting two, thanks to Mike Curlin's great spring, spring training yeah. lineup tracker. I see that Biggio's been batting a lot of two in that time as well. And so that is a big jump back up. Is it enough? I mean, it's a short-term thing. We don't know exactly how long-term it is. Is it enough to draw your interest at the draft table right now with Biggio? Where where do you stand with him since he's kind of been moved down the lineup and, and uh, the market has softened on him a little bit? Where do I, you come out? I have not been getting a lot of Biggio. I think while, while I do like him from kind of a, a an upside perspective, I mean... The batting average, I think, is going to be a problem. I think he's probably going to be like a 240 guy. Uh, he could definitely be like a 2015 guy. 20 with, homers, 15 stolen bases. Yeah. yeah, and especially, you know, they're playing in Dundee to start, it looks like. So, um, and that play, that has like a, a short porch in uh, right center. So okay. he's one of the few guys on the team, you know, being left-handed that could really tap into that a little bit. Uh, I don't know. I just, I never end up getting, there's always someone in my league that is a Biggio truther. And I'm just, yeah, I'm a little ambivalent on him. Uh, so, I'll, I mean, if he's, like his main event ADP right now is 69. Nice. Nice. Um, you know, and... If I needed a second or third baseman at that point, and I've already loaded up on pitching, I might go there. But like Brandon Lau, who I like more, is going later. Yeah, we've been big Lau guys. What if you need more speed, though? Because I don't think Lau's going to run near as much as Biggio could. Biggio's mm-hmm. 20 for 20 in his career, and it's kind of that simple math where you add his two seasons, he has 159 games, so it looks like a full season. Now, the 695 plate appearances... That's um, that's ambitious if he is batting most of the year in the second half of the lineup. Uh, he would need to find a way to stay at that in those top two spots to really get 695 in 159 games. Uh, but what if he just runs more frequently? Do you think that there's 20 on the table here, 20 plus for Biggio? Uh, you mentioned 15. How likely is it that he pushes and breaks the 20 threshold? I think it 
is definitely possible. I mean, he is for a career twenty for twenty on the base paths. Yeah, uh, yeah and that's there. Th- that's a you know one hundred and fifty nine career games. So like, if, and, he, and he was sharp in the minors too. Like uh, that that's not been, and he gets on base a ton. Yeah. So even if he doesn't get six hundred ninety five plate appearances, gets closer to you know six twenty. Dude walks a lot. Says yeah. no, counter. Don't worry about that batting average. He's gonna have like a three fifty or better OBP. I think that's a safe bet on Biggio. Yeah, I I don't mind it at all. I wish the price was a little bit lower, considering what the the batting average is likely to be for him. But that being what if said, he hit his max? Sorry, I thought you were done there. What what if he hit his max at eighty eight? Uh, triple eligible. Would you take him then? Uh, if you have just open yeah. needs. Yeah. Okay. I think I would. I think I would take him. Like if if he's going around eighty eight, that means he's going around Jose Altuve. I would definitely take him over Altuve. By uh, Grisham. Um, I would take him over Grisham. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would take him over Victor Robles, who's going at eighty two. What about Teoscar? Yes. You take him over Teoscar? I would. The triple eligibility is it's huge. And as much as I like Teoscar, someone's going to lose playing time at some point, and it may be spread around a bunch of guys. But but, but if you're looking Springer's for somebody back, yeah. If, it, it, if you're it's looking for someone to, to lose playing time, you go with a guy who's worse defensively, right? Who's worse defensively and has been prone to big slumps. Mm-hmm. Huge and strikeout when you walk rate. 30% of the time, and you only, or you, when you strike out 30 plus percent of the time, you only walk between 6 and 8%. That can foster some pretty nasty slumps. And so, you know, as much as we like the guy, and I know you've touted him as a uh, reserve pickup. Each of the last two years with Teoscar, it's your boy, gets to a price where it's like, oh, that's that's tough. That's tough for me to want to pay that. So I hear you. I, I would take Biggio as well. If he falls down toward that max, uh, maybe you can get him there. I'll be interested to see how that plays out for you because you could feasibly take Lau. And then if the next go round, Biggio is still there and you needed either a third base or outfield. Um, since you put Lau at second base, that wouldn't be bad. Plus, you'd be kind of draining the second base pool a little bit, so it could also have a little benefit um, against your opponents there. So anyway, that was about Springer. I, I took it uh, very much into the Kevin Biggio track. <laughs> but now I want to talk about something that uh, that that you did some some investigative journalism on here because I was I was questioning you, man. I was like, what are you talking about on this? I didn't see this anywhere. And this seems something like something that the aggregators would get a hundred percent. And it's about Steven Strasburg. And I forget exactly how I brought him up to you. I uh, just asking, I think just about him. And you're like, oh, no, awful. He was throwing five miles an hour. Uh, oh, no, you said five miles an hour fewer. I thought we, you said he was we throwing were, a five mile an hour fastball. No, I'm just kidding. We were talking about a, a draft that someone else did. Oh, yeah, yeah, in that's your, right. In, that's in, right. I think it was in, in the BeatCon Weather Wax League, or maybe it was your BeatCon Sport League. I can't remember which league. It was It was either the main or oh, it was the your main Weather Wax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was your main, and, and he took he had taken Gallon, Strasburg, and Carrasco. And I was like, Strasburg's back from the calf. What are you bugging on? And you're like, uh, he's throwing 90-91. And so, again, I'm like, no. Like he was out pitching today, meaning yesterday, the, the, the 29th. What are you talking about? And then you said, well, some people were tweeting. I was like, okay. 
Uh, yeah, I was still skeptical. I'm just going to be straightforward with you. I was like, I, how, how is this not on any, like nobody had put it out there. And that's why I was questioning it. Like, well, did somebody see a pitch down at 91? Um, why is it not on the Roto-Wire, the Roto-Worlds uh, of, of the world? And so he said, you know what? Fine, I'll just watch it. I'm going to start my writing. I'm going to go ahead and watch it. And what did you find when, when you watched Strasburg start? Yeah, I was writing up my bold predictions piece for opening day, and I was like, well, I'll, I'll watch it while I write. And then I ended up logging every single fastball that was thrown. <laughs> yeah, you showed me your notes. Yeah, You so. literally were tabulating every time you threw a fastball. And um, now, full disclosure, there was a power outage in the van, you know, the tech van for, for the yeah. stadium. Uh, and so the last part of the second inning and all of the third inning was, was not on TV. Um, so... <laughs> The, you know, e- even the even the uh, you know the professional TV guys. Well, are, that's spring training for the yeah, announcers exactly. as well. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, credit to FP Santangelo and the other Nats uh, guy who. Um, yeah, they uh, they kept like the audio going, but I I didn't really listen to it because I wanted to see the velocity readings. Um, yeah, plus, you were working. So yeah, and plus I was working. So here's what I saw. Um, he set 90 to 93 earlier with one pitch hitting 94. From the fourth inning on, he set 88 to 91 hitting 93 once. The control was bad until the last inning. He was very hittable until the fifth inning where he got two of his three strikeouts. He got the third in the sixth inning, um, but was very, very hittable uh, and did not get very many swings and misses at all in the entire outing. Uh, it was very, very concerning. Now, Nick Pollock Stra- just sent me Strasburg a Strasburg that yeah Steven Strasburg that we're talking about by the yeah. way go ahead so I I was been texting with Nick Pollock this morning because I I figured he would have watched it too uh, he said he saw the same things he said he he remembers a report that the gun may have been uh, a little light um oh, cold oh, cold gun you don't usually see that as much as the, as the hot gun yeah I don't I mean he had he does he didn't know where the link was for that so uh, you know I'll dig on the on a link for that but. Even if that's the case, we're talking about a guy who hit 88 more times than he hit 91. Yeah. So even even if you give him two ticks back, he's still sitting, you know, 90 to 92, which is not Steven Strasburg. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's a tough scene right there. He did. Um, He did make a play running off the mound to cover first base where he sprinted over and covered. So, I that's mean, good. that's good. That's a good sign. At the same time, like, what, you know, this could be the calf. Is this the carpal tunnel, in, you know, issue that he had surgery for on the offseason? Is mm-hmm. this something new? He's just off my board. Like, he's just completely no, off my I, board. I think that's fair. I mean, I love Strasburg. He's one of my favorite pitchers to watch when he's on. Uh, I've really enjoyed rooting for him in his career. <laughs> Such a nerd about it that I got uh, I got a jersey made of him before he was drafted, uh, and then I remember like, then it was probably just that you know smokescreen kind of thing. But there was some talk that maybe they weren't going to take him at number one. I was like, wait a minute, I just spent like forty dollars to get this custom T-shirt. Don't ruin this for me. I uh, uh, I'm a huge Washington football team fan, mm-hmm. um, and. I have some sort of curse. Every time I've ever gotten a jersey, oh no, they've been traded or gotten oh, like no. catastrophically hurt. Um, and oh. so I now have a rule: I do not get jerseys of current players for any for for baseball or football. 
uh, or oh, basketball. Man. I don't. I just because I, I can't. I've got a Lavarius Coles jersey, um, Lavar Arrington, um, like. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones for for the Washington football team. Well, where it's just like I, I have not, a I have an entire closet full of jerseys I can never actually wear. But you you never named your dog after a player who was traded like just over <laughs> a year later, did you? Do that? Oh, I my brother got me an RG three jersey for my birthday, and that playoffs is when he tore out his knee. It was uh, never the same. That what? one was painful, man. I'm not. I wouldn't even. That's not even my team. So, yeah, no. But I just enjoyed watching him, and that hurt me watching because you could you knew right away that he was. Yeah, he was done. He was deep shit. Like yeah. it was, it was so bad. So, um, yeah, no, I, I I feel you on that. It stinks to to make that investment and have somebody leave the team. It it, it can be cooler to like go back and do that if you got a Lavar Arrington jersey now. I think it's cool. But when they when you lose them in the middle of having the jersey and they were on the team. That's a real bummer. I, I feel you. Must be difficult being an Oakland A's fan to that respect then. Yeah, yeah. Just I, I keep, keep I'm, I keep my jerseys now to like all-time greats on the team. Like that's just I, that's I, the I only way to do it now. But well, like back to Strasburg like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we we're, we're out. Yeah, I just I I I so Drafchi um was the guy who kind of first uh you know uh, you know talked about this on Twitter. Really the only person who talked about it on Twitter. Uh, yesterday as it was happening like not even beat writers mentioned this um like people tweeted out his overall line which you know like you said i think he went 96 or 98 pitches um yeah and like again all the aggregate and i'm not even trying to talk shade on them i'm just surprised that nobody got it uh because it was all like relative it was like oh it was a little bumpy but you know he made it 90 pitches there were not, some not, really not bad was what really, I was catching. Yeah, there were really, really bad at bats by the Astros. I mean, just um and some really nice defensive plays, uh two by uh Victor Robles that kind of got uh Strasburg out of trouble during mm-hmm. these uh outings. Um one by I think Ryan Zimmerman catching a fly or a, a kind of a, a foul ball uh that I didn't think he would get to. Uh but yeah, Strasburg did not look right. Even if even if the velocity isn't the big concern, maybe he wasn't taking it easy. Maybe the gun was light. Um, his command and control was atrocious. Yeah, I mean it. It sounds like it. It sounds like it. Um, you see Zimmerman this spring? Yeah. Like, hey man, that's you get to a certain standout level where you got to take notice on a spring 481, 517, 12, 22 is the slash line with six homers. Um, just, just six strikeouts and 29 plate appearances. That's a little 21%. Not that Zimmerman's ever been a huge strikeout guy, but you like to see that like dude is out here. I wonder if he's got one last hurrah. I mean, this is a, this is a one time star level player. Um, I think he, well, yeah, you're right about uh, for Josh, Josh Bell. Bell is hitting the cover off the ball too. So, he's got to be, got to be pinch hitter and fill in type of guy. It's got to be NL only, unless they can. Uh, I'm just they're look, not putting Bell in the outfield. They can't do that. No well, chance. I mean, they put Strasburg or, or uh, not Strasburg. They put Schwarber out there. Schwarber uh, is not a bad outfielder. He, that he narrative is. has to die. It doesn't. Um, yes, it does because it's not true. It's uh, not. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go over this with you. Uh, Bell is hit six home runs himself, three eighty three, four fifty six, eight seventy two triple slash. Um, 
with uh, 14 walks in 14 walks. 57 plate appearances. Um, he has been phenomenal in spring. Uh, yeah, there, there is no. He has to be. Oh, sorry, eight walks, fourteen strikeouts guy. in fifty-seven. I mean, eight walks is still pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, Zimmerman has to be a bench fill-in. Uh, you know, start twice a week type of deal. If the DH can't, no, I'm, I'm, I'm over well, it. Well, yeah, <laughs> but are you finally over it? Yeah, wow. I'm finally. I, I mean, we, we're two days away from the season. Like it's just at this point. I mean, yeah. it'd, it'd be peak MLB for them to do it. Be yeah, great. he hasn't played. He hasn't played third since 2014, so I don't think that that's in the cards. Although they need somebody, but I just—I mean, what, you on, don't believe in the resurgence of Josh Harrison? R.I.P. to my uh, Carter Keyboom shares, by the way. Where are you at on him now? I mean, I mean, I'm uh, right where the Nationals are. Like, I, there's nothing I can do. Like, he's, yeah, but he's I mean, gotta, like, he's got to learn how to hit. I, I think in a, if you're in a dynasty league, I mean. I guess you buy low right now. If someone's free, though, yeah, it should be pretty close to free. Um, You know, it's so weird because, like, the one thing that everybody said for him coming up was, uh, like, the defense was going to be the question. He was going to hit, right? Yeah. The defense has actually worked itself out. He's been better defensively uh, and just truly atrocious offensively. 17 strikeouts. In uh, 49 plate appearances, hit 133, 204, 222. Um, yeah, swing and miss has just uh, soared in the mid. Well, actually, not even that. It's been strikeouts, and it hasn't really been the swing and miss. He has a 10% swinging strike rate, which is fine. It's what it was in the minors when he was putting up low 20s, high teens strikeout rates. So is Keyboom just getting buried in deep counts uh, due to passivity and and striking out? Like I don't understand, but I mean he's still just twenty three. I can't bury him, but my outlook on him at, like it's lowered. I, I don't see as much upside as I did. I think these these failures and lack of confidence in him by the team when they want to start like when they start. Josh Harrison over you and you're 23 and like you still haven't been given a full shot. That's pretty damaging in my opinion. As yeah, far as like, I mean, Harrison, how they feel about him. Harrison had a big spring. Um, sure. But it's Josh Harrison. It's still Josh Harrison, right? And and Harrison is best served for them as a super utility guy, giving guys days off all over the place. Exactly. Um yeah, this is I mean, like I said, in a dynasty league, if he is super cheap. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the gamble and put him on my you know minor league list and and be fine. But um, ever, obviously, any league you've got him in, he's droppable uh, yeah. outside of you, you know draft and holds where you're just stuck with him. I've got him stuck yeah. on two got draft it. and holds. Uh, and it's may- a six month season. You yeah, know, maybe he, he comes down, back at some point. Figure something out at AAA and Carter Keebum's back. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. But uh, the outlook has been dampened, at least as far as I look at him. I no longer see as much upside with Carter Keebum. Uh Let's let's blitz through some of the rest of this news here, or else we're going to be here for nine hours. Uh, Shohei Otani has a blister. And uh, I'm just curious how you feel about that. And are you letting that affect 
Wednesday, uh, how you draft. Like, if it drops its price, would you jump in? Have you been in at all? What do you think about Shoyotani developing a little bit of a blister? They think they caught it early, so they're not particularly concerned. But I imagine for those that don't like drafting him, this is exactly in the realm of where they're like, yep, this is this is it. This is why I don't like taking him. Yeah, I have him in two draft and holds, uh, okay. and that's it. Um, so that's saying a lot when I have... I don't know, 29 teams this year. So I've drafted 28. Um, so I, I'm, I w- I've been super intrigued because the, you know, he's been able to pitch and hit in the same game. I just always end up with a different UT eligible player. And I want him mostly as a hitter anyways. Um, and then whatever he does pitching wise on top is, is kind of gravy. This is a bit concerning just because I believe, uh, Someone said that the velocity readings were down too. It could be the mm-hmm. blister, and supposedly it was an issue that kind of was starting to pop up in his previous start, um, and he thought he could try to pitch through it. Um, I don't know. It's you know this is kind of what happened last year, right? Except for it just happened at the beginning of the season where he was fine, he was fine, and then all of a sudden he was he was not fine. So um, correct. Uh, I'm, or maybe not last, what, 2019. Um, so, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely concerned. He will very, very likely not be on my main event team, which means the two shares I've got already are the only shares. I see the upside. And if he was, uh, the number one player in fantasy this year, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. Right. Um, because you know, how many guys could be a top 30 hitter and a top 30 pitcher in the same season? Yep. Yep. Uh, and that's, that's what I love so much about, uh, that's what I love so much about Otani is that obviously massive, massive upside, but also something you mentioned where you, you're eyeing him for the uh, elite hitting and then taking the pitching on top. That's kind of where I'm at too. I, I was sort of drafting him as a UT and then thinking, Hey, if the pitching works out and I can get something, then I'll take it. But I'm not I'm not drafting him in need of the pitching. Like I was continuing to strengthen my pitching outside of that so that I wasn't relying on him. Because, you know, there's obviously a lot of scenarios that can happen, but one that you would you would hope if it doesn't quite work out with the pitching is that it's not due to massive injury and that he can still just go hit. Uh, because then all of a sudden you know, that that's a frontline player there. But I, I honestly, even if I wasn't invested in him, uh, I would just be rooting for him because it's um, an amazingly fun story for baseball. And I just want something Absolutely. that cool to be happening with Otani. I mean, so, part of me, right now, part of me wishes they would just make him a hitter, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I kind of want a hitter reliever, to be honest. I don't know I, how well that would work. Personally, I because I, 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 I used to work just from a, from a logistical standpoint for the Angels. Like, how does he then warm up to pitch? Um, you would automatically lose your DH, right? I, I but if it's relieving, then it doesn't matter as much. You could finagle it to where that spot might not come up again. If it does, it's yeah. probably only one pinch hitter. I think you can work out better than hitting him in the games that he starts. Yeah, no, which is something I, they've talked about, which I hope they do. By the way, I mean, I hope they do too, just because I think it would be really cool to see. Um, I mean, I think he's a legit like thirty twenty guy. Um, yeah, if he's just no, he's a hitter, obscene. 
I mean, he's obscene. His steamer six hundred projections, uh, and for those who don't know what that is, is it's what his steamer projections are. If you gave him exactly six hundred plate appearances, mm-hmm. is thirty sixteen two sixty one three forty two four ninety two triple slash. So like thirty homers, sixteen stolen bases, and that's just six hundred plate appearances. If he was just hitting, he'd be probably hitting like third in this lineup. Uh, and Such getting over 600 plate appearances. So, <laughs> like, that is, um, like, I wish they would just make him a hitter. I understand why they continue to to try the pitching because it could be so yeah. valuable, um, and he wants to do it. So, but, you, you got to see. You got to see. That's part if, of what you were able to, how you, how you were able to get him by promising him a real effort at pitching. I mean, if, if he was just a hitter and playing the outfield, he would likely be a second round pick. I was going to say no later, like the, the lowest would be the third. And I, yeah. I would be somebody who is very open to taking him. At Me the too. Second. Uh, yeah. So we love Otani. Hope everything's all right with the blister. They think they caught it early enough and, and hopefully it's good to go. Uh, here's a shocker. Dustin May wins the fifth starters role. And David Price goes to the bullpen. So does Tony Gonsolin, but that one was already kind of um, expected. So May, the, the, the May believers – uh, come through with a big early season win here. We heard early in spring that Price, you know, was open to whatever. He wasn't, you know, going to be some some big time veteran who's going to say I must start or else. Um, he was clear that hey, whatever works works, and here he is now in the bullpen, and May gets the gig. Um, How does this change your outlook on May before we get to Price? Um, well, I just flip flopped him in my ranks. Um, so I had May at 110 and I had, uh, price at 61. So now I have flip-flopped them, uh, and put May at 61, um, and put price at 110. Uh, and I've got to double check, but I don't think I've moved Strasburg down. So that'll make, uh, May 60th. <clears throat> I'm okay. I'm a bit concerned. I don't know if I'll end up with him. I think his price is going to go through the roof in the remaining kind of drafts. People oh, are going to yeah. be really excited. Um, while I 100%. like May, he doesn't have the swing and miss that I think his uh, when you watch him or when you see gifts of him. He's a gift king. Yeah, yeah. He pitches well, too he much have... to contact by design. He doesn't have a swing and miss uh, breaking pitch. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the problem. Now apparently he's been working on one in spring, to to sharp results. And so if if that is that is indeed what we're getting here, and he is bringing in a, a breaking ball that can miss some bats, seventeen strikeouts and thirteen and two thirds, that changes everything. But I need to see it in the in the um, in the bright lights of the regular season before I'm going to give May credit for that. Like to, to say that that's in his arsenal yet. I can't quite do that, but I'm intrigued. I don't have any more drafts. And I was, I was a Gonsolin. Honestly, honestly, I was Gonsolin and price over him, but I do want a successful young pitcher to like emerge, right? This is a guy I'm not invested in, but still want to see him succeed because it will be fun, especially with the, uh, the big flowing red hair and kind of the, the the swag that he has, that's a fun player if he's beasting and, and striking guys out for Dustin May. Yeah, I've got him in one league, um, but again, you know, I'm in 29 leagues, so like that's saying what it's saying. Uh, <laughs> um, and like I said, I doubt I'll get him. My guess is he's gonna go way too high. Um, yeah, no, uh, I think you nailed it. He's gonna go 
he gonna go big? Yeah, I mean his ADP in the main event was two twenty five prior to this. His min pick was one sixty one, and I think yeah. that will be kind of his landing spot rest of the way. And that means taking him over Aaron Savali, Frankie Montas, Zach yeah. Eflin. Uh, I think he can beat that. By the way, I think he can beat yeah. that man and be like one fifty or something, which I would not. Yeah, I'm do. not gonna do that either. Um, I think at, at most I would push him uh, to uh, like the Marcus Stroman. Like if that if I really really wanted him, I would say Marcus Stroman's spot, and that's one sixty one. Like so, like. Um, I think where he's going to end up is like would be my considered min, and I, I don't think I wouldn't take Mar- him over Marcus Stroman. I wouldn't take him over Aaron Savali. I wouldn't take him over Frankie Montas. So I'm, I'm probably not going to end up with him. I know you just said it, so maybe just seeped into my brain and worked that way. But I literally just put him at 61 without even thinking that you had either. I just I said I want to get him behind Zach Eflin, which happened to be 61, and that's exactly where you put May. So we are in lockstep there. By the way, we've been updating our rankings left and right on the uh, on the Google Doc that is available to our patrons in the fifteen dollar tier or higher. Thank you to everybody who signed up. By the way, been getting a lot of interest in, over there on the Patreon. We're gonna have some some pods. Uh, we're gonna do like a Q and A. We're gonna have some more stuff coming as the season gets started. So stay tuned. We got the Discord. I'm starting to lay the groundwork there for everything. Um, so it's a lot of fun. I really, really appreciate everybody. I've been actually having a blast updating my my rankings because you know it's not uh, we get in there, get in the dock, kind of re re readjust the numbers, reset it, and boom, there you go. Like it's it it's not an arduous process to get these ranks updated. And so I've been really uh, I've been really enjoying that and and giving people kind of the latest info that we have there. So uh, congrats to Dustin May. That's huge. Uh, being the Dodgers, it it only it only means something for the short term anyway. You know, we'll we'll see how it goes, how long he keeps that job. But if you don't think Gonsolin and, May, and Price are going to get starts, then, then you're crazy. Yeah, I, of course they are. I, on the Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast, me and uh, Matt Thompson and Matt Williams was our guest. Um, uh, we talked about it, and I said, this is going to be a nightmare for all three of those guys. Like, they're just... Yeah. So give me the guy who's going latest, and that's been Gonsolin. Um, yep. And I've been taking him too. Yeah. yeah. Just give me that talent. Just give me that arm talent all day. Um, he'll find some innings. And even if he doesn't start that much, honestly, if I could finagle triple digit innings out of Gonsolin, if you if you guaranteed me triple innings or triple digit innings, just you know, say one one twelve, I I'd probably take him even even more. Like, um, because I do worry that I might only get like seventy. In which case, I don't know exactly when I'm starting him, but I love the talent for Gonsolin. So that's the Dodgers situation. Let's move over to the Red Sox. Eduardo Rodriguez has a dead arm situation. He had been named the opening day starter. Now he's looking at a potential IL stint uh, coming back off the off the lost 20. He looked great in spring. Uh, 15 strikeouts, just two walks and 13 and two thirds. Uh, if Eduardo obviously starts on the IL, that's not good. Are you moving him down preemptively? just so that you don't get caught taking somebody who can end up on the I.L.? Or were you even taking Eduardo to begin with, I guess, is another fair question. I wasn't taking him. Um, it was largely because, like, early in draft season, we just didn't know when he was going to be pitching coming off of, you know, the really scary COVID stuff uh, for him. 
And then I just never ended up with him after he started pitching. And then this dead arm thing popped up. So he just, he has not ended up on a single one of my teams. Uh, I've moved him down into my injury tier um, with Framber Valdez, Steven Strasburg, Eduardo Rodriguez, Mike Soroka, Denelson Lamette. And that's after 70. Yeah. So, yeah, like I just, I'm not going to end up with him. I just, I don't want to take a guy who's already dealing with something. Um, yep. In a year where we think there could be more injuries than there typically are. Exactly. And that's a great way to put it. And so, you know, with Eduardo, it's somebody that I'm just rooting for because of the, the big scare that he had last year with the heart issue developed from from COVID. He had myocarditis, I believe it's called. Um, oh, scary stuff. So I, I just dead arm. That's that's a that's a little bit of time. Hopefully that's all it is. Gets back and dominates. Um, even though he's not on my teams, I just you know you don't want to see guys unhealthy. So I hope he does well. Uh, Sixto Sanchez was sent to the alt site. This was kind of telegraphed for a while. This actually isn't particularly concerning. It could lower his price um, in some markets if folks are just kind of taking it at face value. But it's more because they don't need a fifth starter than anything else. Like nobody's particularly concerned about this as far as the 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 news goes uh, but if somebody just reads the headline and doesn't digest kind of the the body of it um, in that it is just kind of a a workload situation to kind of keep him regular until they need him again they might drop Sixto's price too much what do you think is Sixto getting sent to the alt site until they need a fifth I was a little surprised that he was the guy that got sent down, um, considering just how uh, great he was in uh, in 2020. Um, and I think they just want to manage his innings the most, though. Yeah, I those other guys get have done that. more. And, and Trevor in Rogers is a lefty, so uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I guess I get it. Uh, it was just a bit concerning to me at first, but. You know, I, I didn't realize that I think 22 teams have multiple days off in the first two weeks. Um, and so you may see a bunch of fifth starters get either skipped or sent down at some point. So Correct. Uh, Correct. Yeah, so I yeah, I, I think if his price drops, because I mean, I think this is a guy that they showed last year. They're willing to push in four of his seven starts. He went at least six innings and in three of those. He went seven innings. Um, so. Like they they've shown that in games they'll let him go, uh, so maybe it's just a matter of hey, you may get a few or less starts just because we're gonna let you go inside of starts, which I'd be fine with. So, because um, at you. least we know about that. Uh, if his price does plummet because of this, uh, I will definitely grab a, another sixto share. I think people so, will be on this news at least in the mains. So yeah, he's ranging one thirteen to one eighty nine. Pretty pretty. Deep range in the last uh, in the last 22 mains. I just did uh, March 24th through March 30th, so that co- that covered 22 main events. W- wide range, like I said, was six though. Uh, that that equals a 131 ADP. Where does he need to fall for you to for you to have some interest in in picking up Sanchez? Oh, that is a very good question. Um, so let's see, he's currently going off as the number 50 pitcher, but that includes obviously some relief pitchers in main events. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably take him, let's see, uh, I'm going to take Stroman over him. I think I'll take Savali over him. I'll take Montas over him. Uh, I don't, I don't think I'm taking Eflin or Tyon. So probably about 170. 
I'm looking okay. at. So not quite to his max. I, I don't think that's out of bounds. I think that could happen. Um, so you just got to kind of monitor it. Obviously, you'll, you'll be paying attention during your draft. I have no no mm-hmm. doubts about that. And if it if he starts to meander down there, what what's your closest pick number to to that area? Because you have to look at that as well. Uh, I think I have one seventy five and one fifty seven. I think, uh, and so it's so, probably a pick in between there somewhere. Oh, I I've got my main event. Uh, uh, draft room actually open, so I can I can pull up the draft board and tell you. Yeah, let, let, let's just kind of get an idea of, of what pick that would be. And so if you I, pick, I'm you would pick, jump it. I'm pick eight, so it would probably be rounds ten through twelve. So one forty three, one fifty eight, one seventy three. I okay. think I think round eleven is probably the spot if he if he makes it to me in round eleven and there's not another guy I really covet at that spot. Then yeah, I, I would definitely, I would definitely think about it. Okay, so that's that's where you're at on six, though. Again, don't freak out over this news, and I agree that the main events are unlikely to just plummet him. Uh, but with this wide range, he could drop just just on some natural uh, concerns for a young guy kind of making his first full season, as opposed to anything directly related to this news here uh, with a max in the 180s already. All right. That's the news right now. Let's talk some league leaders. We did this last year where we kind of gave our favorite. We won't go too deep in, into the favorite. They're going to be some obvious plays. We both picked the same guy for stolen bases because he's the overwhelming favorite. But then we're going to get into the bold predictions, and that's where you're really going to want to uh, want to see where we're at. And then you can leave yours with us either on the comments of this post or uh, on Twitter at Spore at Justin Mason FWFB. Let's start with home runs. And uh, our favorites, again, are not going to shock anybody. I've got Matt Olson. You've got Joey Gallo. I think uh, both of us need need our boys to stay healthy for sure on that one. Uh, any league leader, you need to stay healthy. But also to, for them to, to get back to contact levels that they've had before, but not last year. Uh, Matt Olson dipped under 200. Now, Everything looks like it was something that would have he would have come out of in a six month season. Like his core skills were there. He's a two forty five career hitter. In fact, he's even better than that coming into last year. He was a two fifty four. Uh, so the one ninety five was a bit of an anomaly. Um, I, I still love Matty O. I, I I see a fifty homer season in his in his future. Now Gallo has multiple forty homer seasons, but they come with two oh nine and two oh six averages respectively. He had the 253 in 2019, talked about it a million times, 500 BABIP against lefties certainly uh, fueled that. He hit just 181 last year. What average do you think he needs to hit to lead the league? I mean, if he can get to 40 with a, with a sub 210, do you think he, what do you think he needs to win the league, I guess, too? Do you think he needs 45? Does he need 50? And uh, what average do you think he has to hit to get to that league leading level? I think he needs at least 45. Um, okay. and I think someone will hit, will hit 45 home runs this year. Uh, I agree. and so he Don't probably needs to hit 240. Um, okay. he, he has made a swing change in, uh, in spring and it's kind of paid off a little bit in terms of, uh, not necessarily the amount of contact he's making, but the quality of contact. And okay. so the ones that aren't home runs have typically been pop-ups, right? Um, and he's hitting 310 right now in spring with six home runs. There's still he's still got a 33% strikeout rate. Like that is the swing and miss are going to be a part of his game, but uh 
I, and I, getting deep in counts too, mm-hmm. like right. It's not always just yeah, seven walks there and flailing. fifty plate appearances. Um, so I I've taken Gallo. I think in my last two drafts. Nine leagues. Oh, um, I didn't get a lot of early shares of him because he is a weird guy that you have to build around. So I've got him in four True. True. four leagues, um, but in, that includes um, an OC and the main event. Uh, okay. So, like, I'm 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 buying in a little bit here, uh, and I think there are, maybe are some people that are like, "Who dead and ball? He's got real manpower." Oh, Texas <laughs> yeah, is, I, uh, you know, a bad stadium hidden net. Well, he's got real manpower. Like, this is not. Yeah. Uh, none of that scares guy. me. That doesn't scare me. It's it's what is the batting average? But you just plan for it in draft, and he's one of these guys that I love in the punt batting average kind of leagues that I don't necessarily do in NFBC, but. Um, if he does hit 250, like he gets BABIP help, maybe the swing change does help him uh, give him a better quality of contact on the non-home run balls, uh, then you're looking at a guy that you were planning for 220, he got 250, and now your punt batting average has put you in the middle of the pack. So, yeah, I really like Gallo right now, um, and I again, he, he will be a guy that I, I target in the main event on Wednesday. Dig it. Um, you know, he's a, he's a monster. I didn't get any gallo this year. That was more of, oh wait, I guess I did. What's this one league? This might be like the mock. Oh no. B Paul sport one. Hello. There That's you go. right. I remember that. Yeah. Colin, that was the one that Colin wasn't in. So we were kind of talking through that one. He's like, when, when you're going to jump on gallo, when you're going to jump on my guy. I got him in the beat Colin <laughs> That's right. And he was irate about that. Yeah. Colin himself was, was rather irate. He got, so, he got him in the beat Justin Mason league. So. You got 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 it right back. Uh, yeah, and I I think you know you got to plan for a very low average with Gallo, but he is just uber talented. And he smacks the ball so hard that boy, if he spiked like a two forty or better, that would just be such a boon for for his fantasy. Plus, folks. he he runs like people forget. Like, yeah, he I mean, he's did, an amazing athlete. Like and, that's the thing too. He's not some lumbering oaf. Yeah, he's got twenty career stolen bases. He's non-oafish. Uh, all right, let's get to the bold predictions, though, because these are a little spicy here. Um, I'm going with Austin Riley of the Braves. You talk about real man power. Uh, he can crush the ball. In fact, turned heads at the AFL. Jason and I still remember, like it was yesterday, sitting there talking, just having a convo with people. It's kind of, I think it was opening night of the Baseball HQ event. And Austin Riley comes up, and the sound off his bat gets heads snapping back toward the field. You know, because we're chatting, chatting it up. I, I can't pretend that we were sitting there dialed in on every play of the game, just taking in a baseball game while we were hanging out at attention when you heard that sound off the bat to where the next few times that Riley came up, all eyes were on him. Dude's got the massive power um, a little bit like Gallo in that uh, you know you you should not be expecting a very great batting average and he's a pretty good athlete. Now I don't see a ton of steals coming but he's but he's improved his defense to where he's a capable defender that should keep him in full time uh playing time and I think we can get 30 here as like a projection with the upside of somewhere in the mid 40s Austin Riley could feasibly lead the league in home runs this year. It would take a lot. It's a bold prediction for a reason, but it's not out of bounds. I think that it's at least on the table for Austin Riley at age 24. Yeah, and I think one of the things that benefits Riley is who they're going to play over him. I mean, Camargo. No. 
Camargo's not even making opening day roster. Yeah, no, that that's... it's Pablo Sandoval. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So I mean, like, come on. Yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I was trying to use Camargo to express your point, but I think uh, I think Sandoval stresses it even more. Or Adrianza, like, uh, yeah, no, I think this is this is Riley's job. He has to perform really, really poorly, and if he does, like, I think he'll still play. Like, <laughs> I think he's still going to play quite a bit. Um, so yeah, no, I I think that Riley uh, has a real shot to surprise people because I mean, what does he do? He he uh, hits home runs and he strikes out. So he's going to yep. do that. The batting average is probably not going to be very good, maybe 230, 240. But I think he could. Uh, I mean, obviously, you're not going to project him to lead the league in home runs, but like 25 to 35 home runs are in the cards for this guy. And then if he plays, you know, full season, pushing 650 plate appearances, all of a sudden, you could be talking something real big. Now, your guy, you've been a fan of him for a long time. Mm-hmm. We've seen prodigious power. It's it's not a question of that. His all boils down to health because your guy is Miguel Sano and his career high in games played is 116. So yeah. talk to us about what Sano needs to do at age 28 to actually lead the league in homers. He is currently healthy, came in in best shape of his life. Um, <laughs> we'll take it, though. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. like His profile hasn't changed. He's going to walk, which is great, but he's going to strike out 35% of the time. Um, but in 105 games in 2019, he hit 34 home runs. So you give him 150, uh, and I think that 45, maybe even 50 could be on the table. So, um, yeah, it's going to come at the risk of a 220, 230 batting average the same way it does for Gallo. But, sure. uh, yeah, I mean, if you're looking for a first baseman kind of cheaply, that has a ton of power. He he could be the guy, so that that's that's my dude. He has been for a long time, and still on a great team too. That um, you know the beauty with really all four of well, except for Gallo, the Rangers aren't very good, but the other three, uh, Olson, Riley, Sano, they're all on good teams. So you know they'll probably fall short of this. These are predictions that don't have a huge probability to come out, but they're going to hit for a lot of power and they're going to drive in a lot of runs. They're all in good lineups. And while Texas's lineup is not elite, I think the upper half isn't too bad. I think Gallo should get his ribbies as well. So all four will be valuable assets, even if they do not lead the league in homers. Let's move on to stolen bases. Again, we both picked Mondesi to lead the league. I don't even think we really need to get into that. Uh, we've talked about Mondesi to death. Let's get into the bold predictions. And mine, you know, I was going to go one way with it. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to use that that player, so I'm not going to mention him for my bold predictions piece. But here, I want to talk a little bit about our former our former friend uh, turned foe after his huge September the year we drafted him in 5,000 leagues. Garrett Hampson. <laughs> He's six for six in spring, which uh, does have meaning. There there is signal in spring training steals, uh, volume and success. So the fact that he has six attempts and he's six for six. That's huge. He's 23 for 27 in his career. He finally has a job. Um, I think he just turned 32, so he's just old enough for the. He's a Rockies prospect. You know, when, once you kind of hit your your early 30s, then you're a Rockies prospect. <laughs> People might not realize I'm kidding. He's actually only 27. Um, but they are so weird that or age 26 season, excuse me. So it's age 26 season for Hampson. He should be playing. I know we have Hilliard starting in center. 
I think that's actually uh, his job. I think he's going to be starting in center based on an article I read somewhat I recently. Think, um, I think here's what I think about the Rockies situation. I think all of these guys it's are sucks. going to play five to six games a week, right? Sure. So sure. like everybody's going to get a day off every week. Tapia, Hilliard, um, McMahon, uh, but with with uh, Brendan Rodgers out, I think McMahon's going to be playing a lot of third, um, and uh, and Hampson will play some second. He played second on Monday. Uh, today, uh, Hampson's playing center. He played left. Like, I think Hampson's just going to move around quite a bit, but I think he'll get enough plate appearances. And sometimes he'll lead off when Toppy is not in the lineup. Yeah, I agree with that. So I think there's going to be enough playing time for Hampson to be a big stolen base threat. And if he plays, you know, he doesn't have to play like that September. That was, he was out of his mind, like MVP for a month type of deal. Like I think he actually was player of the month to be quite honest, but you know, just steal at the clip that he can if they let him go wild and he gets on. The thing is, he has to get on base. He has a 305 career OBP, and that's the problem. That needs to be higher. He needs to be doing better there. 393 in spring. He also had eight walks, which is very encouraging. Again, the, the things that you can get some signal from in spring were the things that Hampson did well. Speed, walks. His strikeouts uh, were also pretty solid for what for what he's been doing. Uh, he was down at 19%. You like to see that. Another place where you can get some signal. And then also power is the, the other one, by the way. You can look at ISO related to career ISO. Now, he didn't do anything there. He was, he was actually sub 100. But I don't care. I don't need Garrett Hampson. He could hit seven homers. I, I really don't care. If he hits 275 with like a 350 OBP and a boatload of SBs. Now that's a pie in the, like that's a high end projection, but that's how he's going to get to leading the league in stolen bases. So that's what yeah. Garrett Hampson's my pick. All right, my pick is I went really really deep um and I went with Roman Quinn. So Odubel Herrera did not make this team uh and so he is projected right now I believe to share center field duties in Philadelphia. With I love this. By Adam the way. Hazley, who I believe is still kind of working his way back from an uh, injury earlier in spring. Now he's supposed to be the short side platoon guy, but Adam Hazley's still Adam Hazley. So I, I, I doubt this happens, right? Because what does Roman Quinn do? He steals bases and gets hurt. Um, and yeah. so at some point he is going to probably get hurt, but he could easily steal 30 bases uh, in, in the majors if he got a full time role. He's got 35 in 40 opportunities in 450 plate appearances. I mean, that's with a 306 OBP. To your point, I mean, it. I love Quinn, and I've been dying for him to stay healthy. He's one of the guys I've seen. I saw at uh, Fall League that I, I kind of became a fan of, and I've been waiting for him to kind of get an opportunity. He's 28 now. It's kind of you know clock's ticking, but like you said, Herrera did not make the team. That opens up some time for Quinn. Yeah, and so, yeah, maybe if something happened to Hazley again, like he could be in full time playing time. He's uh, a decent defender and really, really fast. Uh, he's not completely popless, um, though. I mean, there isn't very much pop there at all. But I mean, yeah, he could be in a, in a full season's worth of plate appearances, or even like I mean, just look at his. He's got 450 plate appearances in his career in the majors. Eight home runs, 35 stolen bases. So Dude. it could happen. Quinn 
stole 47 bases per 500 playing appearances in the minors. Like it's for real power. So, and you mentioned the eight, the eight homer or for real speed. Sorry. I was looking at the homers because I was going to mention that next. You mentioned the homers, you know, if he just took that like 835 in 450 point appearances, if he did that this year, that'd be huge. But again, similar to what I said about Hampson, you'd take no power, just give me the speed if he can hit for a decent clip too. If he could somehow pop like a 255, 260 average, that'd be huge too. He hit 280 in the minor. So there's talent here for Quinn. He does He's need to stay healthy and find the time. This year's Gerard Dyson or Rache Davis, right? A guy without a full time yep. role that could steal you 30. Um, yep. And, yep. and you just have to intriguing. set it and forget it. Yeah. You just have because he won't be starting a lot, but then you're going to miss two stolen bases when he comes in as a sub, one as a pinch runner, and then stays in the game and ends up batting later in the game, you know, because he comes in in the sixth inning, steals a bag there, keeps playing for defense, bats in the eighth, steals a bag there. Like that. Yep. The draw dice in Rajay Davis is the great call, though. If you're going to roster a guy like that, you have to be committed to just playing him. Now we'll see if that's where Quinn's going to be what he's going to be doing, but he could be one of those sneak guys. Great call out. All right, let's move on to runs. Um, again, maybe I shouldn't have even done the favorites because these are so obvious that uh, we, we aren't even really going to have a lot of insight on them. But with runs, I picked DJ LeMayhew. You picked Mookie Betts. We picked top guys on the, uh, the top AL and NL teams, respectively. Just a quick thought on LeMayhew, though. I've seen... it's been more buzz than it has, I guess, actual draft performance, but I've seen people kind of souring on him a little bit. He's fallen as low as 37 in some of the recent uh, main events. Are you worried about a collapse from him, from DJ LeMayhew at all? Or do you you think he's going to to age pretty gracefully? Because that's that's my outlook, but I've, I've started to hear some chirping about concerns related to him, basically just on like age. I really don't know. I haven't heard anything good is what I'm saying about why. I I think people are afraid of power regression. Um, like that they they don't. The ball. I, I don't know if it's the ball or just in general because I think it was before we even uh, – people started talking about it before we even knew okay. there was going to be a change in the ball. I think people just look at the 26 home runs in 2019 um, and the 10 home runs last year in just 50 games and go – yeah, that's that's coming back. And okay, so if sure, let's say yeah. he's a twenty home run guy with five stolen bases, he's still hitting three hundred and probably three hundred plus in that's one of the, the best thing. lineups in baseball. Like I, I don't Runs understand people triple eligible. Like I'll, I'll I'll take the regression. Fine. Yeah, yeah, I will too. I, that's that's the thing. I've just come out like. I guess y'all. I just and it hasn't been a lot. I don't want to overstand. I'm not trying to straw man it, but like, it just it's been a little bit of of tepidness now. All of a sudden, toward Lemayhew, and I'm like, I would still take him. Like you said, triple eligible, um, and you know, sure, give me 18 homers. Okay, then I'll take you know, still 100 plus runs, good ribby count, even at the top of the order, and average for. Days, so I still really like him. Uh, Mookie, Mookie is obviously one of the top picks. He can go as high as one, uh, as low as like seven, eight. Where do you usually like to take him? 
Um, I don't believe I even have a share of Mookie, unfortunately. Because you've been mostly, if you get a pick in the that top area, you've been you've been pitcher or Turner, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, I've picked mostly from like seven, eight, and nine this year, and so yeah, not uh, as much Mookie I, opportunity. I was hoping to get him in my main event, uh, and because I was picking a pick five, and I assumed um, that. Uh, the top four is going to go Tati, Sakunya, and then DeGrom Cole. And so I was going to choose between Mookie, Turner, and um, and Soto. Oh, so- Soto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello. And I was, as much as I love Soto, I've already got a few shares. I've got a bunch of shares of Turner. And so as uh, I thought I was going to go Turner, but I could have gone Mookie. If Mookie's there at eight for me in my main event, he will be on my team. Um, so because I, I do think he is just like the perfect blend of upside and safety uh, Agreed. just say in the same vein that uh, that Soto is. So like, you know, he's not going to win me necessarily any categories, but he's good. He sets your team up so balanced and so perfect at all five categories that like, he's just a perfect person to take. He, he truly is. I love Mookie Betts and I did get him actually took him one overall in TGFBI with zero regrets. And I, I think there's so many options that you can take at one that somebody said, no, I would have taken soda. I say, okay. Yeah. I have you no know, Soto totally or I'm sorry. I have no bets and I have no Acuna this year so far. I, I didn't get Acuna or Tatis, which is a bummer. I didn't get on the, on the flashy, on the flashy new guys. I mean, they're not that new, but like they're kind of new to the uh, number one overall area. Um, all right, let's get into our our bold predictions here. Let's start with yours. This is a guy that you've been touting a bunch, and now you put him on a pretty interesting bold prediction here. You got Brandon Nimmo of the Mets leading the league in runs. I mean, if you're talking about getting on base at the top of a good lineup, few are doing it better than what Nimmo can do. He's a 400 OBP. Talk to us about Nimmo possibly leading the league in runs. Yeah, I mean, like you said, 400 on base percentage, and right now he's projected to lead off for the Mets, at least in a strong side platoon. Um, mm-hmm. He may not hit at the top of the order, uh, you know, against lefties. But, I mean, yeah, that that Mets lineup with Lindor, Conforto, Alonzo, Dom Smith behind him is pretty damn good. Uh, so, like, if he can get on base at a 400 clip leading off, he's going to score a boatload of runs. Uh, you know, he's got to stay healthy, sure. which has been an issue for him. But, uh, like, right now, like, the projection systems over at Fangraphs have him for 68 runs, 70 runs, 77 runs. 70, like, the, he's beating the, that projection. Like, it just, I, I, yeah. I can't, if he plays 150 games, here's the thing. They all have him for 120 to 130 games. That's that, why. That's where it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If he's if he's playing 150 games and while I do think he could get moved down in the lineup, uh, you know, against lefties, I don't think he's coming out. Like, do they really want to play Pilar? Kind of. I mean, I, I think Nemo will still get some burn against lefties. But I think that they they got all this depth to uh, you know to give somebody like Nimmo some days off because of his health. So yeah, I think I think Pilar will play against some lefties, but not. I don't think it's a straight platoon. Um, and still leading leading off against righties is going to create such a um, such an abundance of opportunities for him. 
that I think that's going to uh, really set Nimmo up. And if he is playing out of his mind, I think he can earn more playing time against lefties and keep supplementing the numbers at least a little bit against them. Because I think his OBP still remains pretty strong against yeah. lefties. Um, he has let off every game for the last two weeks except for three. Uh, and the three he didn't lead off um, against were against righties. So just clearly it's just a day off. Mm-hmm. So against all the lefties, he has let off in the last two weeks. I, I see. I'm cool with that, and I, I think it definitely works uh, that that he could play against lefties. And so, yeah, we'll see how Nimmo goes. I love that pick. Good one there. Mine, mine isn't mine isn't quite as flashy. It's a guy who's been great before, but I went for it uh, with Marcus Simeon because I don't think many people are putting him atop any categories right now. He's definitely getting his buzz in fantasy circles for a rebound, um, but I think he could lead the league in runs, especially leading off for a little bit here, depending on how how bad that oblique injury is. Now, I don't see it, <clears throat> excuse me, as being something that's going to keep Springer out for a very long time. But even then, he goes back down to two, like you said. So, quality player who gets on base, takes his walks, doesn't usually strike out a ton. I think he's going to rebound from 20. Maybe not all the way back to 19, but enough to be scoring a ton of runs. He scored a buck 23 in 2019. Going to need a count like that to, uh, to 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 win it this year. But I think he could win the runs title, and I really like Marcus Simeon. Plus, he had second base eligibility very early in the season. I think he's Definitely somebody people should be targeting this year. Uh, and, and the market started to get hot on him. His price was rising. as mm-hmm. Every draft I went in, his price seemed to go up a little bit more. Yeah, I, I took him kind of with a FOMO pick in, in uh, the online championship that you, me, and Colin did for the Beat Colin Weatherwax League. That was exactly my plan, too, and I hate yeah. him for that. He was yeah. going to be my FOMO guy because I didn't get him. Yes, because I only have him in two leagues, so... I need I needed to get that and he you know will be a target again of mine in the main event who knows who I actually end up uh, with him but uh, yeah I, I mean I've always like I've been the Marcus Simeon guy for years so I mean nothing's changing for me yeah no he's a monster um, all right let's move over to RBIs and for our mains we took Trout and Machado again premium guys on a premium team Trout the most boring of picks talk about Machado leading in RBIs though you've seen obviously some big uh, uptick from the San Diego offense completely coalescing around him. You liked what he did last year because, I, you know, until last year, even though it was just a two-month season, I, I was swayed by it a bit. I was concerned about Machado not quite being a superstar outside of Baltimore. The numbers really broke down to where you did a Camden versus non-Camden, and it really looked like he was kind of pedestrian outside of Camden. Do you see more than just a two-month surge from his 2020 that could uh, that could foster something like an RBI title? I mean, he's always been good. Like, well, yeah, yeah, never, never bad. I'm just yeah. talking about going from like superstar to star is what I was seeing with the Dodgers and Padres prior to last year. Yeah, I mean, so like, yeah, I, I think he definitely could. I mean, he's in third in one of the best lineups in baseball, arguably the best lineup in baseball. Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, Tatis leading off, Cronenworth. It looks like he's gonna be batting second while uh, while superstar. Grisham is out. So uh, this is, I, I just think he has so much potential, you know, RBI potential. Uh, in this lineup that he could easily... I mean, depth charts has him for 113 um, RBI. Uh, you know, That'd be a it, new career high for him, too. I mean, every 
projection system. The only, only the Bat X and Steamer have him under his career high of 107. So, okay. like, every, and these are obviously median projections, right? So this is like the 50th percentile. He has, you know, a mm-hmm. standout year like he did last year, and we're talking about a guy who, like 120 or something like that. So uh, I love Manny Machado. He's been a huge target for me in the second round um, of drafts. Uh, you know, so I, I, I try to get him everywhere, uh, you know, but a lot of the other people are on him, obviously, going in the second round. So, yeah, I'm, I'm here for the Manny Machado love. Cool, cool. And, um, you know, not necessarily done running either. Popped six last year in 60 games. Has some folks thinking maybe back to double digits. You don't project it. Uh, I mean, actually, some of the projections do have them for 10. For me, I'd still be projecting five to six, but then I would take a doubling of that as as some, you know, some gravy on top there. Yeah, for uh, sure. All right, so our long shot picks. I'm going to go with yours first again because – Eddie Rosario, you want to talk about a guy who has just been forgotten, like kicked off the radar. He still goes. So it's kind of it's kind of contradictory to say this because he still goes in a perfectly fine spot in fantasy. So somebody's always willing to go ahead and, and take him uh, right around pick 100, either a few picks before, a few picks after. But I feel like he's getting zero buzz. And I understand moving from Minnesota to Cleveland will do that. Nobody talks about him. The only time I hear anything about Eddie Rosario is when he's drafted. I understand the Cleveland lineup isn't elite, but you're obviously seeing something here if you think he's a long-shot candidate to maybe lead the league in ribbies. Talk to us about Eddie Rosario. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely not in an elite lineup, but uh, I mean, I think he's going to be hitting third or fourth You know, with Cesar Hernandez, who gets on base, Jose Ramirez, who gets on base. Uh, and Fran Mill either hitting before him or after him. So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to have a lot of RBI potential. He's a guy that I think people just think of as unsexy, which I yeah. get a little bit. But 109 RBI, 32 home runs in 2019 with Minnesota. Uh, and then last year, 13 home runs in 42 RBI in 57 games. I mean, I, I, think, I think he is just a wildly undervalued target. I have him in three leagues. I took him in online championship uh, this last weekend. I took him in tout. Um, you know, so like this is a guy that I just, yeah, I, I think is undervalued uh, by the market in general. Uh, and he's always a guy that I end up just popping on uh, kind of later than he should be going. Yeah. I mean, like I said, uh, his draft price is perfectly fair. Uh, right around pick 100, the other outfielders there, a former teammate Byron Buxton, who has big upside uh, if he runs, but certainly far from proven. Charlie Blackman, I think Eddie Rosario could basically emulate Charlie Blackman if he if he was in Coors. So he's kind of uh, a younger Coors list version. Uh, let's see, other outfielders. Tommy Pham, we know his health. I'd, I'd take Rosario over Pham. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd take him over to yeah, I would too. And Tasker goes, uh, you know, a full round higher. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, good, good call out there, giving Rosario some some attention. And I think, you know, they didn't have a very good off season by getting rid of two big pieces and not getting a ton of return. Although people really like Jimenez, and we'll see if Rosario can figure Jimenez. some things out. Yeah, I know you're a big Jimenez guy, uh, but Rosario was a good pickup for them, and re- bringing back Cesar Hernandez. Uh, what was good as well. So, 
you know, there's some pieces that I really like Josh Naylor too, by the way, he's a FOMO guy that, uh, I'm be really bummed when he pops 30 homers and he's not on any of my teams, even though he was on my, you know, for the late rounds, I make like category lists, like late power, late steals, late strikeouts. He was on my late power list and I never got Josh Naylor. Anyway, don't want to derail on that. My RBI guy is Matt Chapman. And, um, this one's kind of straightforward. I think that they've got a solid offense again. You know, A's kind of doing their A's thing where the projections are pretty meh, kind of living in the in the low 80s sort of win total um, because that's what they that's what they do. They plan to live there and then spike the variance for their big seasons. And I think that they're very much contenders to have another big season. Um, the offense up and down is quality. Mark Canha leading off. Go look at if you're not familiar with what Mark Canha has done the last few years, you need to go check that out, folks. He has been an absolute stud. And the last two years, 396, 387 OBP. So on base a ton. Ramon Laureano, big fan of him. And then that's where Chapman comes up. So you should have those two guys on a bunch. Um, I think even Piscotti and Elvis Andrews at eight nine aren't terrible guys as far as getting on base and giving Chapman some opportunities there. We've seen Chapman be great. Uh, I have no concerns about the hip right now. He looks amazing. He's out there fielding, doing his thing. 91's his career high. He's going to break that this year. Obviously, he would have to to uh, lead the league. I think I think a perfect year where things are really clicking up and down this lineup. There's there's a buck twenty possibility for him. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Chapman, especially because his defense is so elite, he's never coming out, even when he's struggling. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, definitely love uh, Chapman. All right, let's finish up with batting average. Now, again, we both picked Soto. I'm not even going to say anything else there. We picked Soto because, again, the the favorite is supposed to be something that we would be, like, trying to win a bet or something. Not not We're not trying to get cute there. So it's Soto Dadoy. But then we both went different routes in the American League for our uh, for our bold prediction here. We'll start with mine, Alex Verdugo out in Boston. You know, I just he just strikes me as somebody who could definitely. He's not a huge power guy. He could collect a ton of hits. Um, you know, go oppo on the green monster. Maybe wrap a few around the pesky pole. Um, Hit hit some of those gaps, maybe maybe drop a few triples out into the triangle out there. I'm just naming Fenway things. Um, but he hit 308 last year. He hit 294 the year before that. He's a career 290. He doesn't strike out. Uh, he gets a good enough walk rate to where he doesn't have to. Uh, you know, when you when you have like that four percent walk rate, that's a lot of contact that you need to collect hits on. But he lives in kind of that seven to eight percent range, which I like for Alex Verdugo. I definitely think a 320 plus is possible here for Verdugo, and that's what obviously what it would take to win a batting title. And I think he's very much a a strong possibility. And from a fantasy standpoint, if the power kind of keeps advancing uh, or or can advance from where it's been in 19 and 20, and he kind of gets over that 200 ISO, then he becomes a really fascinating player where he's hitting over 300 pushing 20 homers, and then maybe even getting you double-digit steals. Now, he had four in 53 games last year, but then he had four in 106 games the year before that. So I would probably project him for the six to eight that we see in the projections, but double digits is not impossible in a dream season for Verdugo. But I don't care about the steals. I'm talking about the average. I think uh, he leads the league with a 332. How about that? Wow. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen, but... I actually think he is going. I mean, most of the projection systems have him anywhere from 276 
to 291. And I think he's likely to beat most of those. So, yeah. uh, and so I, I think he's probably 290, maybe even 300 again. Uh, what we've seen over the course of the last two seasons is he's got more uh, plate appearances, is a, a much higher zone contact percentage, ninety-three point seven percent zone contact percentage in twenty nineteen, ninety-one point three last year in twenty twenty in his first year in Boston, uh, and he swings inside the zone like sixty percent of the time. So, uh, not only does he swing a lot inside the zone, he also makes a lot of contact when he swings. So, I do think that he could uh, be a better batting average asset than maybe the projection systems are giving him credit for. Uh, I don't know what else you're going to get from him. Like, he doesn't feel like a 25 homer guy, maybe low 20s, high teens, chip yeah. in speed. But he's also a guy. Is he leading off for Boston? Yeah, he should be. Oh, so no, big, no. They said Kiki is, is leading off. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Verdugo, too. But that's fine as well. So he could be a sneak uh, runs guy um, in yeah, that exactly. lineup as well. So uh, I do like that call. Um, I don't have. I don't think any share. I think I've got him in a couple of dynasty leagues where I've had him forever. But other than that, um, I don't have him uh, uh, in any redrafts uh, this year. My guy is David Fletcher. Boom. Um, Talk about not striking out, man. If you sort, um, but you know, go over to Fangraphs, hit click split seasons and sort the last two seasons of 2019 uh, and 2020. And then you filter it by zone contact. Number one, is David Fletcher. Number two is David Fletcher. 96.1% zone contact percentage in 2019. 96 uh, zone contact percentage in 2020. All Ooh. he does is hit the ball. Sheesh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I mean, will he do it? I, I don't know, but could he do it? Absolutely. He's going super late. Yeah. I think he's quadruple eligible in a lot of formats. Um, uh, he has been before. If he's not, then he could be on the cusp. No, he's triple this year, but triple, second, okay. third, and short. Uh, he's played the outfield. He's played first. So don't rule out maybe mm-hmm. collecting one of those in season. He's nuts. He's really nuts. Yeah. Um, not a guy I typically end up with because he's kind of a zero in every other category, but, yeah, he fits a particular build. Yeah. Uh, he's going to play. Why doesn't he fit your builds more, though, those low batting average ones? Doesn't he fit later? Um, I mean, he, he potentially could. I just never end up with him. I end up or, with, like, Luis Arise if I'm doing that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I like guys, like, guys like that. But, I mean, he's projected to lead off for the Angels in front of Otani, Trout, Rendon, Justin Upton. He should. I mean, he's a career 346 OBP, 292 average. You're getting on base at a near 35% clip. That is definitely enough to lead off in a quality offense. Doesn't strike out 10% mark. Walks, in, again, what I mentioned with Verdugo, he's at that 8% clip as well. Because even with a contact rate like his, you still don't want the the 2 to 4% walk rate because it's putting such a burden on your BABIP. And it's already going to take a good BABIP to win a batting title. You don't want to also have the volume just be, you know, untenable. So I definitely think Fletcher's a candidate. He had 319 last year. You know, you're thinking about something in the 330s or, or a little bit higher uh, to get there. Certainly plausible. And uh, very cheap for a potential batting average winner uh, in the league. His his ADP is two fifty two. Um, so you know you're not paying a lot. It fits a specific build, but if you build out that team, if you want Fletcher, you still have a draft. 
you have to go through and map it out, but it fits in the right build. So, all right. Well, those are our league leaders, uh, our favorites for the hitting side. We will do the pitching on Thursday. Anything else going on on Thursday? I can't think of anything. Nah, never mind. I've got two articles coming out on Thursday. So that's how oh, we're talking about. Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Oh. No, I was talking more about like um, opening day or something. But Never uh, heard of it. Yeah, ne- never heard of it either. No, it'll be great. We will be finishing up right as the games are starting, I presume. I imagine yeah, we'll... Yeah, what uh, are we going to even talk about on Thursday? I don't know. Maybe we'll do something... Maybe we'll, You know what? Maybe we'll try to record early and get something out before, before we, the game starts. Could start. we record late? We could record late, too. You mean uh, after the games? Like, I mean, either like after the games or as the games are going. Do that, too. Maybe we... You know, maybe we do like a overreaction to like the first at bats <laughs> of spring training. Maybe you remember uh, when Ian Happ hit the home run on the first pitch of of the season. Yeah, we could, we could and I thought come... I was the smartest person ever for drafting him. Um. Yeah. I mean, we could. Uh, what what time do the games start on on Thursday? Noon. Noon my time. So that's ten my time. Well, that's Correct. that's usually when we're recording, anyways. True. So, sure. we'll we'll talk about this off the air, but maybe we do a live stream. Okay, okay, we will absolutely uh, we'll absolutely take a look at it. Uh, but great talking with you. Good luck on Wednesday. You will be streaming it. Just follow you on uh, on Twitter to get all of it right because mm-hmm. you're you're all over the place with uh, yeah all over the place meaning many outlets. But yeah, you just want to come to Twitter and find those outlets for your streaming. They yeah, can do that. Twitter right? and Twitch is Justin Mason FWFB. I've got a public Facebook profile that'll it'll be streamed there, and then uh, on YouTube, I think you just like look for Justin Mason Fantasy. Um, you should be able to find my channel. So, and all all go. the old drafts. If you want to go back and um, both my OCs, my main event, Tout Wars auction. Um, our labor uh, draft are all still sitting there on the YouTube, and I'm I'm in the Sunday draft. That's the beat, Colin, the OC on mm-hmm. on Sunday. So check, take a look at that. Uh, all right, man. Talk to you in a couple of days. Peace. Take it easy.